college or involved in our church. And that uh, is something to praise the Lord about today. We're going to continue our series in Matthew chapter 5. If you'd like to go ahead and open in Matthew chapter 5 today, we will be going there. And there's a very interesting word that we find in verse 9 today that we are going to be talking about. And so oftentimes, if you do any kind of study or research or look online or read books about this particular verse, you're going to get something very interesting happen if you do a lot of research. You're going to find out that in researching peacemaking, there will be conflicting ideas about this verse. Does anybody find that interesting? That on a verse that has to do with peace, you find conflicting ideas about the verse itself. So today what I want to do is I want us to strip this verse down to the very essence of what we can find that is not controversial. You will not find conflict in which what I'm about to tell you because it's absolutely grounded in Scripture and the Word of God. That's why I'm here. There are people throughout this world looking for peace. How many of you have ever experienced peace? I see nobody raising their hand. Come on, all right. I see, I see some hands slipping it up. Okay, is this a trick question, Pastor? I'm afraid to raise my hand. I'm not going to call on you. But if you've ever experienced peace, you can just kind of slip your hand up and say, I have, I have. Well, for those of you who have not raised your hand today, hopefully you will by the end of this sermon because we are going to talk about this thing called peace. There's a lot, of, a lot of conflict in this world, is there not? I mean, you watch the news, there is conflict overseas, there is conflicts in our neighborhood, there is conflicts within our family. Anybody had a fight in your family before? Anybody got a family that just loves to fight? Now I see hands going up everywhere. I mean, hey, I've, I've got a side of my family that if they're together, they're not happy unless somebody's screaming at the other one. That, is, that was not fun being a child. I remember uh, turning on the TV and getting real close to it with my cousins while everybody else is yelling and screaming and falling out on the floor and there's all this stuff going on. We're like, we just want to watch Scooby-Doo. Would y'all shut up? <laughs> conflict without. There's also conflict within, within a lot of people. There is a conflict that happens within our mind, and there are so many people who are struggling to have peace within themselves. Did you know that Georgia, Georgia is, is one of those states that has a high rate of suicide? As a matter of fact, the number one county in 2020, that's the late, latest data I could find, the number one county in the state of Georgia for suicides was Dawson County, which is right next to Hall. Hall was right behind it by three. Suicide is rampant. And it's not just the ones that you go, yeah, that's coming. But some that was unexpected. Some that were children. Some that were teens. Some that are adults. Some probably have committed suicide and people don't even realize it. Peace. That's missing within. Peace that is missing without. But yet, we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. And when He came to this earth, the angels proclaimed. What did He say? I have good news 
of great joy. Today to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And the angels got together and they said, Peace on earth. And we wonder, where is this peace that was proclaimed when Jesus came? A lot of people begin to look at this verse, and it's, to, to me it's really interesting because most people see this verse and they immediately go to the, what I would consider the humanistic view, the, the idea that being a peacemaker means bringing peace between people, peace between nations. Being a peacemaker means that you're going to help two people fight, stop fighting. Can I tell you what it's called whenever two people just stop throwing punches? It's called a truce. It's not peace. But we often look at this verse and we look at peace in Scripture and we immediately just think horizontally. We immediately just think that making peace means, you know, this guy that goes to another country and he has these two fighting nations shake hands. That's a peacemaker. But can I tell you that peace is very shallow? Because at the next wrong word, that peace is gone. In your family, you may get two people talking, but at the next wrong word or action, you know what happens again? Probably, if it was like my family when I was a kid, there would be fighting. So what does this peace that we read about in Scripture really mean? How does it have any impact Today, Well, what is peace? Peace in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day and in the Hebrew word, they use the word shalom. Anybody heard shalom before? Let's say it together, shalom. That was such a peaceful sound. Let's do it again, shalom. Shalom means peace. When they greet people or they'd go away from people, they would say shalom, meaning peace be with you. May you find peace. May you live in peace. Shalom. So if you want to blow somebody's mind today and they say, well, how is church? Just look at them and say, Shalom. Shalom. Peace. A powerful word that you find throughout Scripture. It's used over 400 times in the Bible. Shalom. Every New Testament has the word shalom in it, peace, except for one, 1 John. You cannot find the word peace actually in that particular letter. But there it is, riddled throughout the New Testament, throughout the Old Testament, shalom. But yet, if the Bible is so full of shalom and talks so much about shalom, why is the world missing so much shalom? Why is your life absence of peace? Why is your neighborhoods absent of peace? Peace is missing. Why is that? I believe it's because people have, they, they look at the Bible and they see what they want to see. Can I say that again? People look at the Bible and they only want to see what they want to see and they don't look to see what's really there. They want to see that, oh, peace. Oh, that just makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. Peace. Oh, it's going to be a sermon about peace. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to be so happy today, smiling. Hold on. Don't jump to conclusions yet. Because I want us to face peace with a reality. That the peace that this world offers is not the same peace that Jesus offers. The peace that the world offers will go away very easily and it's very fleeting. Here's something very interesting about chapter 5, verse 9 of Matthew. 
It said, blessed are the peacemakers. For those of you who like tidbits of information, the word peacemaker, you're looking at the only place in all of Scripture, all of 66 books where that particular word is used. You will not find it in another letter, in another gospel, nowhere in the Old Testament. The word peacemaker is only used in one place and spoken by one person, and his name is Jesus. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, as we approach this and we have these preconceived ideas about peace and these preconceived ideas about the Bible and things that we like to get out of the Bible, we see blessed are the peacemakers and we immediately say, Oh, God bless those who are going to be so kind and gentle. They're not going to be troublemakers. They're going to be peacemakers. Praise the Lord. They're, they're peacemakers, not troublemakers. And we only see that. But there's something so much deeper there. So much deeper. Now, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to make peace. Making peace is it's necessary, and it's a very hard thing to do. If you've ever tried to make peace between two people, you understand how difficult it can be to make peace, to bring peace, to be a reconciler, to be in the middle of, of, of two warring factions. It can be very hard, especially when all this emotion is going on. They say things and do things that you never thought they'd say or they'd do, and it just happens, and it just gets ugly. But before you get to making peace with people, I think Jesus is trying to make a point that we miss. In the context of Matthew chapter 5, we've been looking at how chapter 5 and these Beatitudes aren't necessarily a to-do list. They're not something you check off, say, okay, I did that today, I did that today. If I could only be a little bit more like that, then I'd be good. Because it's not about being good, ladies and gentlemen. It's about being like Jesus. It's about accepting Christ and understanding that identity He gives to us. So as we look through the context of Matthew chapter 5, as we've been uh, wrapping it up, we really see that blessed are the poor in spirit is spiritually bankrupt. Those who have nothing to offer, nothing to bring. I can't fix it. I can't make it happen. I come with nothing. I'm empty. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are sorry over their sin, the ones who realize I've made mistakes and I've messed up, and I really am sorry for that. The ones who are gentle or meek. Those who come and just surrender their life and say, I'm not in charge. God, I hand it over to you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want God's righteousness, His way. He's got to fix this. I cannot. I'm hungry for what God has to offer. And blessed are those who have been forgiven. And they're going to receive even more grace and be forgiven even more. So... It wraps up last week with blessed are the pure in heart. It's like there is this, there's this process of what happens within us that brings us to a place where we receive this pure heart of who we are. And then Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So let me ask you a question right before we get to the very first point. If someone was able to go and take the Hatfields and the McCoys, we all, we, we've all heard of the Hatfields and McCoys, right? Did you know that's a real group of people? It's a real family. I believe it was in West Virginia, up in there. They didn't like each other. 
They'd shoot at each other. They'd kill each other. They were angry and mad. Let's say that somebody went to the Hatfields and McCoys and they got them to sit down and they reconciled and brought peace between the two families. Would they be called children of God for doing that? I see some heads nodding no. The Bible says that they will. But let me tell you, you are correct. Because a child of God is only someone who has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. You only inherit the earth if you are connected to Christ. Because we, be, we, we, we are born and we realize that we are separated from God. There is a breaking of peace. There is a breaking of connection with God. And when we realize that, we have nothing to offer and we have messed up. God, you take over. You're in charge. We're sorry for our sins. Please forgive us. I want you, not me. Then we receive this pure heart. Then we become children of God. So the act of peacemaking does not make you born again and a child of God. I want to make sure you understand that right up front. The act of peacemaking does not make you a child of God. You are not going to heaven simply because you made peace between two people at some point in your life. So here's the first point. Blessed, fully satisfied... The peacemaker has peace with God. The one who makes peace already has peace, has experienced peace from God Himself. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Listen to the beauty of how Paul put this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying the only way to experience peace with God is through Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. He's the one that can bring peace between us and God. See, the problem today isn't necessarily that there's, there isn't peace between two people or two nations. The problem today is there isn't peace between people and God. There is a brokenness, and that brokenness is because of sin. Billy Graham said, to be a peacemaker, you must know the peace giver. You do not measure a peacemaker biblically simply by them getting engaged in a conflict or a problem. A peacemaker is someone who has experienced the peace of God through Jesus Christ. They know what that vertical peace actually is and they get engaged. But what do they get engaged in? Romans chapter 8 verse 14 also says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Biblical evidence that to be a child of God, a son of God, to, be, to inherit the earth, you must have a relationship with God, have peace with God. So today, I want to, I want, I want to ask this question right here in this sermon. Do you have peace with God? If you do not have peace with God, that's a problem. That is the problem. It's a major problem. But you're not alone. Because the most startling statement anybody could ever hear, Paul Washer made this statement, and it has just stuck with me and resonated in my heart. God is good and holy, and you're not. And what does a good and holy God do with you? If that does not cause you to stagger and go back and go, whew. 
See, there's a lot of people that have this idea that I can have peace with God if I'm just good enough. As a matter of fact, I, I was reading this week in, in this book about some statistics. They were asked, they asked people between the ages of 20 and 29, do you believe if you are a good person, you will go to heaven? Over 65% of the people said yes. If I'm a good person, I'll go to heaven. I can have peace if I'll just be good. The interesting thing is only 5% said no. It has nothing to do with being good. So understand the people that you're around. If you understand what I'm talking about today, that you've got to have peace with God through Jesus Christ, and that is the beginning of being a peacemaker. If you get that, you're in a very small percentage of the people that you live around, you work with, that you shop with, that you drive on the road with, that even you may even be in church with. Because most people are going to believe, I can, be, I can just be good enough. I can have peace with God if I'm just good enough. But here's the problem. Where's the measure? Where's the measuring stick? Who determines whether you're good enough? Well, God does. Well, let me tell you, God's already written it down. And it says that every one of us has sinned and fallen short. And we can't get in based on our works. We have to be emptied and understand we're spiritually bankrupt. We can't get in. We are at enmity. We are an enemy of God without Christ. Do you get that? And if we're an enemy, that means there's no peace. And if there's no peace, what do we do? We have to experience that peace of God through Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. It's not your good works that does the reconciling. It's only through Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't write that. Paul did. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, if you have received Christ into your life, you have peace with God. You may not feel peace on the inside because there's a battle of the flesh and the spirit going on. But if you have received Christ as your Savior, if you've come spiritually bankrupt, said, I have nothing to offer, it's only through Christ and Christ alone, I'm sorry for my sins, God, you take over, I want you, not me, purify me, you receive that pure heart, you have peace with God. It's not measured by the church you've gone to, how many books of the Bible you've read, how many praise songs you know or the praise songs that you sing, or even if you play in a praise band or sing praise songs, those things count very little and will never measure up to bringing you peace with God. Peace with God can only be found through Jesus Christ. Second thing, the peacemaker understands there is a need for peace. 
The peacemaker understands there is a need for peace. See, think about this for a second. It's so such common sense and easy, we almost miss it, don't we? We see, oh, a peacemaker, peacemaker, they make peace. But a peacemaker can only make peace if they realize there's a need for peace. You may say, well, pastor, that is so simple. Why would you even put that up there? Here is why. The reason we're not engaged in making peace is because we don't realize there's a need for it in people around us. We don't see the desperation, the urgency of the, of the need for people to be at peace with God. Most people, according to that survey, they've got to a point where they don't even realize that they don't have peace with God. They're searching for something. They're just not sure what it is, but they're trying different stuff, and they're finding it empty, but yet they keep looking. And yet we have the answer, and we don't tell them. Tony Evans said, Some want to keep peace, but he says we are to make peace. There's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper will just be quiet, won't say anything. You don't want to stir up the hornet's nest. Don't kick over that anthill. I mean, you can say it a million different ways, right? You don't want to burn your hand and stick it in there. Just be quiet. Just let it go. And there are times that we need to do that. We don't need to be troublemakers. That's why this sermon isn't about how or when you engage in making peace between people. The sermon is about if Jesus is telling us this is, this is the pathway of the gospel to a new life in Christ, and you receive this pure heart, you know what Jesus is now saying? Let me give you your mission. Do you see that? Here's how you can know, come to know Christ. Here's how you can have a new life. You're going to receive this pure heart because of me. It's not going to be based on your actions. Now let me tell you what your mission is going to be in this world. Those who are children of God are going to be peacemakers. So let's get to point number three. The peacemaker introduces the Prince of Peace to those who need peace with God. The peacemaker introduces the Prince of Peace to those who who need peace with God? Can you imagine what would happen if more people in our communities, in our counties, just in our neighborhoods, truly had peace with God? If they understood their relationship with God and they had that peace in their daily life and how they were living, how they would treat other people different how there would be a radical change, how churches wouldn't be empty on Sunday, but they would be full. See, the problem is not them. It's that we don't understand there's such a need for people to have peace that we're not making peace. It's not that we're out there trying to get the people who are fighting to stop fighting. That's not the issue that Jesus wants us to understand. He wants us to understand there are people who are fighting within themselves, within their soul, that they are separated from God, and they don't have peace. And he's saying, those who know me, who's experienced my peace, will be the ones that will go out and bring peace to others between God and people. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't have a plan B. 
Plan A is for his people to bring peace to those who don't have peace between them and God. That's his plan. And it's something that we get distracted sometimes and we don't want to do and we get afraid. I mean, I've been afraid. I'm going to confess. Just this week, I'm going to be transparent. I was on the sixth floor of the, of the North Tower of the hospital. I struck up a conversation with a young lady that's about to graduate and become an anesthesiologist. And I'm having this conversation, and it stirred within me. Man, why don't you turn this conversation spiritual? And I looked, and she had a cross necklace on, and we, you know, it seemed like we just had, there's a good spirit about her and stuff like that. And you know what I did? Said nothing. I talked about the construction of the new building. Talked about her school. Wished her the best. I failed. If I'm a pastor and I can fail when I'm studying about this stuff, I know you do as well. But understand something. It's not our failures that define us. It's what we do from our failures. We have to take those and go, you know what? <laughs> Let me learn from that. There was an, a part of me that was nervous. I was scared. Pastor, you mean you were nervous and scared? Are you just making that up? You're a pastor. You know all things. No, I don't. Had somebody call me just earlier this week. Excited. She's on the phone. She says, guess what I just did? I just had a conversation with a Muslim. I was talking with this Muslim, and we were in this store, and we were just there for a long time talking about about Jesus and faith. And, and she tells me how it all happens. And she said, I don't know if I did right or wrong. And I was like, you did great. You did it. I also had a young lady last Sunday after the service walk up to me and say, Pastor, I got questions. I was babysitting some kids. And they kept asking me, are you a witness? Are you a witness? Come to find out they were Jehovah Witnesses. She said, I was so uncomfortable. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to do. I just, I just had to get out of there because I, I just didn't know. If you don't know, you're not alone. The lady that called me, she, she was like, I, I don't know if I said the right thing, the wrong thing. I don't know. Maybe I hurt. Maybe I helped. I have no idea. But you know what? I love. She engaged in the conversation. The young lady that came to me, you know what she did? She engaged and going, I don't want to stay like this. I want to know more. I want to be able to help people understand the real peace that I have experienced. Jesus said, fully satisfied are the peacemakers. Do you understand the thing that you've been looking for to find satisfaction and joy and excitement in, in, in your faith is found in telling other people about your faith? But gosh, pastor, that's so uncomfortable. I'll get fired from my job. You know, <laughs> I'm going to share this story. I had a, young, uh, a, a man come by the office two weeks ago, and he was very distraught. He's got something tough going on with his grandson. But as we stood back there and we gave him some food, he told me a story of how he was at Walmart working. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, Pastor, I've never been fired from a job my entire life. I've always worked hard, and I've done what needed to be done. 
said I was at Walmart and I refused to call a person by a different gender because they were obviously a woman. And he said, they found reasons to fire me. Very minor thing, and I got fired because I refused to not say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. He understood peace was made within him, but he also understood there's things you don't compromise when you are a peacemaker. Some would say, well, he could have just compromised and said, yes, sir, no, sir, kept his job, whatever. He has another job, so don't think that he's completely unemployed. He has another job. But the point is this. He was someone who had experienced peace, who knew that there was truth, and being a peacemaker doesn't mean you lay down truth just so that you can bring peace. But you don't beat people over the head with it either. There are certain convictions, there are certain things that we must do. Peace flows from the one who is peace with the Prince of Peace and God and the Holy Spirit living within you. Anyone can love peace, but Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace lovers. Blessed are the peace thinkers. He said, fully satisfied, blessed are the peacemakers. So, know this. This is the main point I want you to get today. And, and if you want to flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you can do so. I'm going to talk about that just for a moment. Peacemakers strive to bring peace between God and people. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 16. What we're going to find is that God Himself is the only one who brings peace. But He has chosen for us to be part of that. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know Him in this way no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, creature, creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. Who did the reconciling? God, not us. It's not our works. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that verse just said? God did the work, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of bringing reconciliation to other people. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus gives us this direction that when we have a pure heart, we're to be peacemakers. We're to bring the peace that we have experienced to other people. Now, here's where it gets really awkward. Anytime you hear the word evangelism, people will hit the doors. 
They go, oh, evangelism training. I don't want anything to do with that. This isn't about evangelism training. This isn't about how you do it. This is about doing it. And what do you do with this? Well, you number one is you help people find peace with God through Jesus Christ. But many of us sit and we go, I'm not sure if I could do that. I don't know if I could explain it. I'm not even sure if I could tell somebody what the problem is. All I know is to say is, well, you're a sinner. What does that mean? That you sin. Well, what's a sin? Uh, You ever broken a Ten Commandments? Yeah, okay. And that's about all you know. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but what I want to challenge you with is to grow in that. Because we live in a day and age that when you say God, the first response is which one? There was a day when many of us in this room, we we were young. Our hair was dark. Our muscles were tight and we were strong, you know. And we could say God and people knew we were talking about the God of the Bible. Now you say God, the first response is, which one are you talking about? There are many gods. And as we read in the Old Testament, that's exactly what was going on before the exile, before uh, different things would happen, is that there would be many gods. And you would have to wonder, which God are you referring to? Today, we live in an age a little bit different, where the biblical literacy is so low, we can't just simply say the things we've just heard. So, if you struggle with the concept of being able to say, here are the ingredients to how you can be saved, Here are, here's the real problem, if you struggle with going, how do I even explain to someone that they need Jesus, then I got good news for you. We're going to start a foundations class on Wednesday at 6.30. We're going to repeat the same class next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And it's going to be about six weeks or so. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to the bare minimum basics. How many of you have ever heard of Vince Lombardi? Uh, I hear your hands going up. Vince Lombardi. You know what he did? in one of his meetings with his players, he walked up in front of a bench of, bunch of professional football players holding a football, and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. He started with the basics. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to begin with who is God, what is the problem, How do we define that problem? And it's not going to be your opinion or my opinion. We're not going to talk about what other people think. You know what we're going to do in this class? We're going to open up this book and we're going to see what it it says because any other way to bring peace is going to be like shifting sand and it's going to fail. If we can grow in our understanding of the true essence of the gospel and salvation and what that means and what is required for that salvation and how all that works and then what we do when we understand these things and how to express that to people, if we get that, I'm not concerned about how you do it. I mean, there are all kinds of ways. There's CWT, there's faith, there's all these things. And we'll talk about those at the very end of the class. 
But what you have to understand is the essence of what is needed to know and to do to be a peacemaker. So this is not going to be evangelism training, quote, don't be afraid. This is going to be foundation building so you understand it well enough that you'll just be able to have a conversation. You'll be able to engage. You won't be sitting there going, how, how do I explain sin? One of, the, one of the things that I've learned throughout the years, one of the greatest opportunities I had, was to counsel children when it came to salvation. Because I realized very quickly I had to get rid of all church language and church terminology when talking to a child. When you say, have you ever sinned? Number one, don't ask yes or no questions. The response could be, well, I don't know. What does it look like? Maybe I've got one in my toy box. We find humor in that, but the reality is this. Some people that we would engage in would have the same concept of what sin is. They don't have a clue. So why is it that you are saying that's a sin? What, is, what determines that? Well, we're going to get into that, and we're going to stand on what the Bible says. And then another foundations class later would be the idea of Scripture, that it is God's inerrant holy word. But this class is assuming that we believe the Scriptures to be God's holy, inerrant Word. And so we're going to stand on that, and we're going to look into that, we're going to dive into that, we're going to find where it all fits. So, when it comes to helping people find peace with God through Jesus, it can be done. Our fear of what can happen should not deter us from engaging in what God has asked us to do, because... Lynn Burkhalter, a great theologian here in the church, a deacon who's not even here today to hear me quote him, he, he says, obedience is of itself its own reward. We should not be looking for the result to make us feel good so uh, for us to continue to do it. Just because we're doing it and God's asked us to do it and it's overflowing out of us is in, in itself a reward. But here's the beautiful thing. The more you talk about it, the more people are going to listen last thing is this and if i did not mention this i think i would not be within the context of matthew chapter 5 because in chapter 6 verses 21 through 24 of matthew chapter uh, of, of matthew's gospel chapter 6 verses 21 through 24 talks about having peace with people and if you come to worship and you come to engage with god and you know that you have something against somebody or they have something against you Jesus says, I want you to take this idea of peacemaking so serious. They're not going to understand. This is how, how I see it. They're not going to understand peace from God if they can't receive peace from you. So you need to engage in that to help bring peace. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not of the, the mindset and I'm not in the camp that everybody's got to be buddy-buddy and friend-friends and you forget everything and you know all the relationships are, are the same. No, I don't think that happens. But there has to be this sense of peace. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's, it's the peace that if you saw them standing on the side of the road, you won't e edge over close enough for your mirror to hit them while they're standing too close to the road. Oops, that was an accident. It's a peace that will go, okay, they're broken down. Let's see if I can offer some help. That is the peace. It's not calling them over for Thanksgiving dinner. 
calling them up every day. What you doing, buddy? It's not that kind of peace. It's peace between people. And God wants us to do that, so it's serious. We need to be, be at peace with others. And Paul even said, as much as it is possible, because he knows there are some people it's going to be hard to have, have peace with. But the main goal here, what I, I really wanted to get across that I believe God laid on my heart, is we have to engage in what will change the dynamic of everything. Getting people to have peace with God. If we make that peace and focus on that peace, then God will take care of the rest of the peace. People have to change from within. And the only way they do that is through the Holy Spirit. So, seven-day challenge is this. Where do I need to be a peacemaker? Where do I need to be a peacemaker? Capital M-A-K-E-R. Here is why. Not a peace faker or a peacekeeper, not a troublemaker, but a peacemaker. It could begin within yourself. It could begin with coming to the class on Wednesday night at 6.30, the foundations class, or next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And let me tell you something. Here's a warning. I will have to start at 10 a.m. sharp because there's going to be so much that we're going to be doing to get done before the service. I've got to start at 10 a.m. Wednesday night will be a little more relaxed, but Sunday morning, be here by 10. If you're late, please come on in. Bring your coffee. Just come on in. But if you want to grow in this area, I invite you to be part of it. That might be where you start to bring peace. It could be that you need to have a conversation with somebody about something that's going on in your life or their life. Or it could be that there's somebody that you need to just have a conversation with about Jesus. I began by talking about if you do any research and you begin looking, you will find that there are conflicting ideas about this peacemaking. And you see it all over the place. You go some places and there's a street preacher out there in conflict with somebody on the street and they're yelling and screaming and you have others who are who are living a life in relationship with someone and, and doing everything they can to show them Jesus. There's all kinds of different ways, but the bottom line is this. At the end of the day, those who have encountered peace with God through Jesus Christ, who understands the foundation of what that is and what happened to them, will be able to engage in making peace with people around them. Peace, first and foremost, between them and God. Because without peace within them with God, they are destined to hell. There are a lot of people in this room right now. Many of you. Lots of you. And right now, many of you, if you were to breathe your last breath, you would open your eyes and you'd see Jesus because you have peace with God. But there may be some of you that don't have that peace that if you opened your eyes, you would not be with God. You'd be eternally separated from Him. So I implore you today... Let today be the day that you make peace with God. Pastor, can you really have peace? Can you really know? Absolutely you can. The Bible's very clear. There is no black, uh, uh, gray area. It's black and white. You can know because the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit is changing you. You have a desire for the things of God. Those are earmarks that you know Christ. And when you know Christ you can be assured you have peace with God. You will go to heaven. If you do not have peace with God, I implore you today to make peace. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, dealing with you, 
then will you do something about it? Will you pray with me? Bow your heads. Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Understanding that you have given us a mission and a directive to be peacemakers. We love peace. And God, the world will have peace with us until we say phrases such as, Jesus said, he is the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. And then there is conflict. This world wants to offer peace that is just a facade, that is just a fake peace. Lord, you want to give peace so intentionally that you sent your son to die on a cross, take our place, to do the reconciling yourself so that we could be reconciled to you because we can't do it. And then we begin to pray and ask you to forgive us, to take over our life because we have nothing to bring. And you'll purify our hearts. Today, God, if there is someone listening, if there is someone here, if someone's online, and they, they don't have peace with you, may this be the moment. May this be the day that they seek peace with you above all things. Father, for those of us who know you, who have experienced that peace with you, and yet, we're so engaged in the trouble of our life, we forget to make peace. We've lost sight that there are, there's a need for peace in people's lives. That they're in turmoil, turmoil and trouble, and God, they're seeking after everything except for you. Lord, help us engage in that. James chapter 3, verse 18 and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God, there is a fruit of righteousness when we make peace. Lord, we don't have all the answers. We don't know how to say it. We don't know how to get, get into the conversations. But God, you prompt our hearts. You help us grow in our knowledge so that we can engage and be more comfortable in who you've made us to be, to be a peacemaker. Do a work in us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.